Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about the legality and constitutionality of public employee unions. We'll also visit with Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. We'll be talking about some of the things in our culture that lead to the politics that we have here in the United States. It is June the 7th, and on this day in 1913, Hudson stuck An Alaskan missionary led the first successful ascent of Denali, formerly known as Mount McKinley, the highest point in North American continent at 20,320 feet. Now, mind you, that's about 10,000 feet uh, less than uh, Mount Everest. Just an incredible difference here. But uh, nevertheless, 20,320 feet, that's very high. Stuck accomplished uh, uh, amateur mountaineer was born in London in 1863. After moving to the United States in 1905, he became an archdeacon of the Episcopal Church in Yukon, Alaska. Stuck traveled Alaska's difficult terrain to preach to villagers and establish schools. In March 1913, the adventure-seeking Stuck set out from Fairbanks for Denali with three companions, Harry uh, Karstens, co-leader of the expedition, Walter Harper, whose mother was a Native American, and Robert Tatum, a theology student. Their arduous journey was made more challenging by difficult weather and a fire at one of their camps, which destroyed food and supplies. However, the group persevered, and on June the 7th, Harper followed the rest of the party, was the first person to set foot on Denali's south peak, considered the mountain's true uh, summit. In 1910, a group of climbers had reached the lower north peak, Stuck referred to the uh, mountain by the Indian name Denali, meaning the high one. In 1889, the mountain, over half of which was covered with permanent snowfields, was dubbed Desmores Park after a prospector named Franz Densmore. In 1896, it was renamed to honor Senator William McKinley, who later became President of the United States. Mount McKinley's National Park was established as a wildlife refuge in 1917. Harry Karsten served as the park's first superintendent. In 1980, the park was expanded and renamed Denali National Park and Preserve, encompassing 6 million acres. The park is larger than the state of Massachusetts. In 2015, the mountain was officially renamed Denali. Hudson stuck... uh, died in Alaska on October the 10th, 1920. However, over 1,000 hopeful climbers attempt to scale Denali each year, with about half of them successfully reaching their goal. I think I'll pass on that one. Nevertheless, uh, that was achieved uh, on this date. In surprising news, the PGA Tour has agreed to merge with Saudi-backed rival Live Golf, L-I-V Golf, in a deal that would see the competitors squash pending litigation and uh, move forward as a larger golf enterprise, the two entities signed an agreement that would combine the PGA's tour and the Lives Golf's commercial businesses and rights into a new, yet-to-be-named, for-profit company. The agreement includes a DP Tour, World Tour, which is also known as the P- PGA European Tour. The PGA players were caught by surprise. Seems that none of them knew about this until the announcement was made to the public. Probably an oversight. I think that's kind of an oversight. But nevertheless, most of the comments were, as you expect from professional golfers, pretty tame. Uh, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said FBI officials revealed that an informant file allegedly President uh, Biden engaged in a $5 million bribery scheme involving Ukraine during his vice presidency, you know, that was in uh, 2017, and part of an ongoing federal investigation that involves shell companies. 
get pretty skeptical about these ongoing investigations, which seem to start and stop based on the convenience of the FBI, but that's another matter. After viewing the document with uh, Democrat Representative Jamie Raskin, who disputed the Republicans' characterization of the probe, nothing to see here, Mr. Comey said he would uh, move forward with proceedings to hold FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt for not turning over the physical copy of the file, which he was required to do by law. FBI officials confirmed that the unclassified FBI-generated record has not been disproven and is currently being used in an ongoing investigation, Mr. Comer told reporters following a briefing with the FBI at the Capitol. Now, our own representative, Byron Donalds, who we see on the the, the news, on almost every news outlet uh, that you can imagine, well, he said Tuesday in an exclusive interview that FBI document had been reviewed by the House Oversight Committee James Comer leaves no doubt that President Joe Biden was involved in a bribery scheme, but the media will ignore it, said Biden. Uh, I'm sorry, said uh, uh, Donalds. I talked with the chairman yesterday, Chairman Comer. He relayed exactly what was in the document, and from their view, there's no doubt about it that Joe Biden was involved in his bribery scheme, and he's known full well that his brother and his son have been doing the same thing. I think that's very easy for all of us to, to be able to present and to document, Donald said. But the issue we have going forward, I just want to say to be very clear on this, is that the Democrats are going to dissemble, the media is going to ignore, and I think that where conservatives and Republicans get upset, and rightfully so, is in my view, we already have smoking guns on this family, but we have large parts of our media that are just going to ignore it, says Donald. And how true. If you go to almost any other news outlet, you're not going to find much about the uh, uh, Biden family uh, bribery scheme. An Arkansas judge has ordered Hunter Biden to appear in court in uh, person in July to face possible contempt proceedings and even potential jail time for allegedly concealing his finances in his child support battle against his mother of one of his children. Judge Holly Lodge Meyer, who is handling Hunter Biden's child support case in Arkansas, issued an order saying President Joe Biden's son must appear on July the 10th at the Independence County Courthouse in Batesville to explain why he should not be held in contempt after lawyers for London Alexis Roberts, the mother of Hunter Biden's child, argued that Hunter Biden was ignoring the judge's May order to hand over information on his finances. Hunter Biden has been initially denied paternity, and uh, he denied that uh, he was the father of this child. And any memory of meeting the mother at the Empire Uh, club in the nation's capital. Well, he was all coked up. But the judge said in January uh, 2020 that the court finds the results of the DNA tests indicate with near scientific certainty that the defendant is the biological father father of the child in this case. So while the uh, FBI and the Department of Justice is dragging his feet, certainly not this judge uh, in Arkansas, Uh, We'll probably see some results in July. Have you seen the Tucker Carlson clip that's uh, put out on Twitter? It's really good. Tucker Carlson announced in May that he would relaunch his program on Twitter, and Tuesday released his first episode with a segment about the destruction of the dam in Ukraine and the city of Kirsten. As of today, we come to Twitter, which we hope will be the shortwave radio under the blankets. He is talking about how people in the Soviet Union got their news uh, under the blanket, and when they're listening and uh, trying to uh, avoid the neighbors finding out that they're listening to real news, said Carlson, at the end of the 10-minute episode, we're told that there are no gatekeepers here, and if that turns out to be false, we'll leave, but in the meantime, we're just grateful to be here, said uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, He was, uh, until his firing, was the top-rated cable TV news host with more than 3 million viewers nightly. He was great, and I really missed Tucker on the uh, television, on Fox News. Well, the 10-minute video had 8 million views within two hours of its publishing. 8 million, if you can believe that. Just incredible. And I don't know what the frequency is going to be going forward. It would be great if it were daily, but I suspect it might be weekly or some other cadence of time. Uh, for his show to appear on Twitter. Welcome back, Tucker uh, Carlson. Great to have you back.
Former President Donald Trump drew heavy criticism for his uh, growing number of Republican presidential candidates this weekend as he congratulated North Korean leader Kim Jong-un on his country's new seat on the World Health Organization, in, in uh, this is the executive board. In a post to his social media platform, True Social, Trump stated congratulations to Kim Jong-un while referencing an article explaining how the isolated nation was granted a spot amongst only nine other countries on whose executive board. Former Vice President Mike Pence, U.S. Senator uh, Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley, and former Governor, and uh, I shouldn't say former, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, all candidates for the GOP nomination voiced their disapproval of the former president's actions. Just makes me smile. I think he's just he's just sticking a needle in him. It's unbelievable. DeSantis called the North Korean leader a murderous dictator and labeled the WHO as a bankrupt organization. We need to be getting out of that and rejecting the WHO lockdown treaty. Not congratulating about uh, being involved in the WHO. DeSantis said. Pence also condemned the comments, calling the North Korean leader a dictator, and characterizing the WHO as an organization that let America and the world down regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. And they're all absolutely right about this, but (laughs) Trump actually made these comments and got them all to say it, which is what I'm sure he probably wanted. No one should be praising the dictator in North Korea or praising the leader of Russia who has launched an unprovoked war, this aggression in Ukraine, Pence said during a stop in Iowa. This is a time when we ought to make clear to the world that we stand for freedom and we stand with those who stand for freedom. Although, as you watch the Tucker Carlson clip, uh, he pretty well demonstrates that our freedoms are being eroded. But nonetheless, Haley also weighed in and labeled Kim Jong-un a thug. And the situation in North Korea is not something to play with. I mean, he's a terrible individual. He's terrible to his people. He's terrible to our allies in the world. I don't think he deserves congratulations, Haley said. Trump famously met with Kim Jong-un twice during his tenure as commander-in-chief and became the first sitting U.S. president to step foot in North Korea. Well, uh, in my view, you always have to look at what is he trying to accomplish when he does this type of thing. And I think he hit a home run. He got them all to condemn uh, the WHO, which, quite frankly, we have to uh, withdraw from that organization as soon as we possibly can. It's uh, it's part of this attempt to globalism and the world takeover, and it's uh, not good. Don't need those folks making comments about our public health practices here in the United States. That goes also for the CDC. Uh, Well, U.S. Chief District uh, Judge Mark Walter recused himself from overseeing a lawsuit involving Disney and Governor DeSantis. Walker removed himself from the case after DeSantis' team filed a motion in an attempt to disqualify him for overseeing the lawsuit. DeSantis' team claimed his previous statements in other cases raised questions about his impartiality on the state's efforts to take over Disney's uh, governing body. Uh, So the the judge... uh, acquiesced. He went along with it. He says, I, you know, my wife maybe owns 30 shares of stock, but I'm going to go ahead and recuse myself. And uh, so that's that. Uh, I think, quite frankly, uh, Disney doesn't have a chance in this lawsuit. They probably ought to drop it because they've had enough bad publicity already. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. 
Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences, putting on great performances right now, and building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more and get tickets. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Bob Levy. He's the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. And uh, we're going to talk about a topic that's uh, near and dear to my heart, and that's public employee unions. Uh, some folks have argued that public employee unions can't can impede vital functions of the government. For example, teachers' unions shut down public schools during the pandemic. Should public unions be outlawed? Well, if the Supremes were to rule that public employee unions are unconstitutional, the most likely rationale would be the free speech provision of the First Amendment. In in a lot of cases, state and federal public employees even if they're not required to join a union, they have to be represented by a union. Mm. And that union has been granted exclusive bargaining rights under federal law. So that, that framework has been imposed by government, not by the private sector. And accordingly, so the argument goes, the government's mandate infringes on the employee's right to speak and to advocate for their own interests. And since the government's involved, that's a constitutional issue. Well, you know, Bob, uh, it just annoys me that we have these people that can hang on forever. It's hard to get rid of somebody who's part of a union. You know, we elect a a president. He comes in. He's going to serve. He he should be able to assemble his own team in the executive branch, not have to live with the people that are going to slow walk everything he's trying to accomplish. Indeed. And uh, that's because of this this same person on both sides of the bargaining cable issue. Yeah. So has the Supreme Court addressed the constitutionality of public employee unions? Yeah, there was a case called Janus v. American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. This was uh, about five years ago, and the court moved partway uh, toward uh, declaring public unions unconstitutional. It didn't go all the way. It held that public employees who choose not to join the union, cannot be required to pay union dues. These are known as agency fees. That Mm -hmm. is, you can refuse to join, but you have to pay the dues anyway. In other words, under the First Amendment, 
non-member public employees, the ones that refuse to join the union, they cannot be forced to subsidize the speech that the union's engaging in uh, for political and other purposes. So after that case, the Janus case, uh, public employees can decline union membership. Uh And if they do, uh, they can't be compelled to pay for collective bargaining. And given that safety valve, I doubt that the Supreme Court will take the more radical step of declaring that public employee unions are per se unconstitutional. Hmm. So if public employee unions were banned, uh, wouldn't that violate the employee's right to free speech? Yeah, an outright prohibition on public employee unions might be deemed to violate the employee's First Amendment rights to free speech and the right to redress their grievances. Mm -hmm. They should have a right to join a union, so the argument goes. In general, public employees have the right to speak out on matters of public concern as private citizens, but... If they speak in their official capacity as part of their official duties Mm -hmm. or in a manner that interferes with the efficient operation of their government agency, then their speech may be subject to some limitations. So, for example, public employees may not have the right to engage in disruptive conduct or engage in some cases, engage in strikes or work stoppages, they can be legally barred from doing so. So beside the First Amendment, what other constitutional provisions might bar public employee unions? Well, a second argument rests on this non-delegation principle that we've talked about. The first sentence in the Constitution, after the preamble, uh, says all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in Congress. Mm -hmm. Um, but we know that that uh, that uh, public sector bargaining has legislative implications. That is, these bargaining um, bargaining activities result in government policy on spending, on regulations, on taxation. So, by giving public employee unions exclusive bargaining rights, Congress has essentially delegated its legislative function to non-legislative. Uh, persons. Yeah. And unfortunately, in my opinion, that argument probably won't prevail in court. Uh, the Supremes have interpreted this non-delegation doctrine very narrowly, allowing Congress to delegate legislative power as long as Congress lays down a so-called intelligible principle to guide the bargaining uh, parties. In this instance, the uh, the intelligible principle comes from the National Labor Relations Act. And also, there's most public sector bargaining involves state and local and not federal employees. So the non-delegation doctrine, which constrains Congress but not state legislatures, uh, may not be applicable unless it's mirrored by uh, state laws or state constitutions. Hmm. So doesn't the Constitution bar private entities such as unions from setting public policies? Yeah, this is a third argument. I think, though, it's equally unlikely to convince uh, the Supremes. This is the guarantee clause of Article 1. It says the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. So supposedly the the quasi-legislative role played by the public sector unions isn't compatible with a Republican form of representative government Mm -hmm. in which... It's elected officials that have to write the laws, not union officials. But, again, the Supreme Court has ruled that enforcement of this guarantee clause is a non-justiciable political question. That is, you know, a matter that should be left up to the voters because there are no objective legal standards by which the courts uh, can resolve the issue. Wow. So what's the best argument for outlawing uh, public employee unions? I think the best argument is, is policy-based, not legal and, and not constitutional. Essentially, the bargaining process consists of government employers using other people's money, yours and mine, to pay for government employees 
who belong to a union that spends enormous sums to elect the politicians who set the rules that control the bargaining process. Mm -hmm. So the circularity is obvious, and I think the conflict of interest is frankly scandalous. It ought to be rectified. Well, it is. And again, I just come back to the point of, I, I know that the president could get rid of political appointments and people who have gone through uh, the Senate, for example, for approval. But there's a whole raft of people that can get in the way of, uh, for example, the executive, the president of the United States, uh, implementing and, and uh, trying to employ his strategy for making the country better. And, uh, you know, people could just stick around forever, slow walk stuff, get in the way, so forth. We've seen this uh, for the last several years. It really is criminal, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the Supreme Court is, is moving in the right direction. But again, uh, a different complexion of the court might reverse things down the road. The Janus decision was an important step yeah. uh, in the right direction. Bob Levy, again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. I really encourage you to visit the very robust website, Cato, C-A-T-O, Cato.org. Bob, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. We always, well, attempt to start off with some good news. And a little background on this. Typically, uh, I tend to be a little bit more... I see through rose-colored glasses and pretty optimistic. Andy sometimes ends up looking at things in a pretty dour way. <laughs> so, well, let, let me explain why I do that. Because I, as I as I mentioned before, if as a pessimist I'm wrong, no problem. Yeah. If you as an optimist are wrong, big problem. So I, I feel <laughs> that opti optimism it tends to produce a minimal response to to, uh, to situations because you're optimistic. Yeah. On the other hand, a pessimist is always looking for a way to overcome. Uh, the problems that he sees in place. So that's a longer statement than you wanted, I know, but <laughs> I wanted to defend myself. Well, I must say it kind of relates to Pascal's famous wager about God. But let's go. Let's move on. Let's. Do you have any good news for us? Well, there is some. Let me just start out with uh, comment on Dennis Prager's comment from yesterday, a column from yesterday, 
where basically he was describing that he was more comfortable in Europe now uh, than he is in the United States. And he went on to explain that, sure, Europe has uh, the same woke policies and the same uh, attitudes about uh, many things as the U.S., but he says there is a, a limited degree of fanaticism and, and, and commitment to these things, whereas in the United States he sees a, a, a dramatic enthusiasm, an emotional enthusiasm, and he finds that to be a substantial <clears throat> difference. Now, of course, he was uh, commenting primarily on uh, Eastern Europe at that point, Poland and <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, Poland and, and Bulgaria, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Hung- Hungary. Uh, but on the other hand, I think he's right. I think there is a significant emotional difference in how these issues are being handled uh, in the United States and, and in Europe. Uh, just for example, this is just one simple example that's uh, from yesterday. Uh, we discovered that uh, Target, uh, which is a French-based firm, but it's still in the United States operating, uh, Target is supporting groups that are for the uh, closing down of Mount Rushmore. Uh, They have a director, a DEI director at Target, that is actually, uh, for all practical purpose, enforcing that the white women on in the firm have to go have to go out and start uh, actively pursuing benefits for African Americans. Uh, she also said that Target has to raise their their fifty percent number of black employees higher. So I'm not sure how that works out if we're talking about pure demographics. But uh, it is things like this, stories like this, the uh, the public face of the drag shows, drag queen shows. Uh, and I, th- I think I understand Dennis Prager's position that uh, Europe is a more comfortable place to be at this exact moment, Bob. So interesting. I, I will say that there's a religious fervor about- around this, but uh, I read a column that suggested that uh, BlackRock and other investment firms are behind this, pushing uh, the pushing corporations to become more woke. Well, there, there's no doubt that there are, you know, there's an interesting discussion I heard the other day that said that uh, was dealing with demonic possession, which you know me, I, I'm not into that kind of, of uh, definition. Uh, but they said, the question they asked themselves, why, is, why would the things that are going on in the United States that have no benefit to anyone be taking place? In other words, there is no, there is no one that is a recipient of the positive end result of the positions being taken by the left. And their conclusion was that it had to be demonic possession of our culture. Uh, certainly, I don't use that same definition, but if I was to use it allegorically or figuratively, I would suggest, yes, our culture is in the, uh, in the possession of a demonic force, Bob. Yeah, so, for example, just to extend my thought a little bit, the whole notion that uh, corporations are being pressured uh, to, uh, for example, uh, to subscribe to... Uh, critical race theory or subscribe to uh, these uh, uh, these policies around uh, running your business for the good of the of the uh, environment and so forth in other words there uh, the for example the California employee union is suggesting we want you to do that and if you don't do it we're going to withdraw your company from our investment uh, from our investment portfolio so there is considerable pressure and things that don't relate to the purpose of an investment, which is to, number one, serve clients, but number two, serve the employees as well as the stockholders. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I'm a, <clears throat> a Milton Friedman advocate in the, uh, in, the, in the area where he said the only purpose for a corporation's existence is to make a profit. Right. That everything else is a waste of their funds uh, spent in inappropriate directions uh, for their stockholders, for their employees, and for the general society that the society most benefits when a corporation uh, legally and and efficiently pursues profit as their sole motivator. And uh, certainly that would be a position that would be widely dismissed by most in America today, unfortunately. But again, I think it is the only way to understand uh, the purpose and the value of corporate activity, Bob. Yeah, in fact, I think it was Peter Drucker that basically said the number one obligation of any corporation is to make a profit. 
that to assure its continuity and that, be able that's to continue. It. That's where the tax money comes from. That's where wages come from. That's where uh, investment in uh, in research and development comes from. Uh, and this is the benefit that corporations play. Uh, schools are asked to educate, and hospitals are asked to cure the ill, and corporations are asked to make a profit. To take them out of their lane is to weaken their essential purpose and actually diminish the value they contribute. Absolutely, Andy. So, uh, good news, Dennis Prager is basically saying he likes it more in Europe. We should try and be more like them. Is that what the... Uh... No, I don't think he was going that far. I, I think he was saying that uh, Europe is bad, but America's worse. Oh. <laughs> so I, I don't think he was setting up some uh, some beacon of uh, a place for Americans to retire. That's Europe. Yeah. Uh, but I think he was suggesting that in terms of the, the scale of commitment to these issues, the United States is far more emotionally committed. I made that point before. Than, uh, that is Europe. And certainly I would agree with that. But no, he's not saying that Europe is number one and the United States is, is far from that. I, he's not saying that. I understand. So uh, any other good news? Um, yeah, there's, uh, Cornell West, uh, Professor Cornell West announced that he's going to be a third-party candidate for the presidency, and I, I think that will uh, obviously draw votes only from uh, the the candidate on the left. I think that's probably a good news story of a uh, of a sort. Um, if it does take votes away from the left, that is a good news story. Uh, also, there's a recent polling story that among millennials and Gen Xers, uh, they are moving more significantly to the right than yeah. ever before and more rapidly than ever before. Uh, so, the, again, this is a good sign. These are what, what are called the older young people, the, the millennials and the Gen Xers. But a fact, and by the way, they're not still in the majority uh, uh, moving to the, uh, to the right, but far more significantly than, than they had been, had been in the past, Bob. Andy, we need to just take a little break. Can you stick around? I have a lot more to say. You have okay. to have the break. <laughs> okay. I'm only kidding. <laughs> We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, they help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. Do a great job. I proudly serve on the board. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.com. 
fga.org, the fga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here, Bob. So, Andy, did you see the clip, Tucker Carlson's clip uh, uh, on Twitter? Yes, I, I did, and, I, and again, it was it was no, I didn't see it on Twitter. I, as I've always predicted, most of our awareness of Tucker will be people reporting on Tucker yeah, on Twitter, right? <clears throat> so that is my source of information, not Tucker directly. Um, and I don't think that diminishes him or, or your question, but I think that's the way most of us will be exposed to Tucker. Right. Uh, I thought his comments uh, in the in terms of the Kakovka Dam. Uh, 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 destruction, uh, I think were pertinent. Uh, as Tucker does, he uh, explored the, the damage to that dam, which was extensive, flooding many local villages. Uh, and he, the, the claim, of course, was being made by Ukraine and by the United States that this dam was destroyed by Russian forces. And Tucker explores, was that, was that a reasonable position to take? He says the, bear, the dam was built by Russia. It was in Russian, the Russian area of Ukraine. It supplied the major water supply to, to the Crimea, uh, a Russian-controlled uh, territory, Russia, as they would see it. Uh, and he says that this dam, in his estimation, based on uh, every, everything we know, was destroyed by, by Ukrainian forces. So, again, uh, this is why I think we, uh, we like to have Tucker on uh, five days a week. Uh, because he does this kind of pre- penetrating analysis that uh, goes against the uh, goes against the mainstream opinion. So uh, I thought his uh, comments on that were, were were meaningful, Bob. Yeah, but you know, but the, I think that was kind of an object lesson on the main point that he was making is that you know what we can't trust the media. They give us a lot of information that is a distraction. It's a shiny object taking our attention away from the things that really matter. And uh, that was just one case, but. Uh, you know, it's so refreshing to get him back. I watched the 10-minute segment myself, and it was, you know, if he brings us 10 minutes a day or uh, a half an hour a week, it doesn't matter to me. I really will just look forward to soaking up anything he has to say. Yeah, I, I certainly think that Tucker has been a unique <clears throat> contributor to the well-being of America. Uh, so I, <clears throat> I hope that uh, his voice gets out. Uh, as I indicated, I, I, I don't go on Twitter, so I'm not going to be there. Uh, but I will read, I'm sure, uh, on the pertinent comments made by Tucker. I, I would mention in terms of the, the press and their unreliability, I'm reading a book by, by George Seldes. Uh, it was called Witness to a Century. George Seldes had contact with Mussolini, with Hitler, with Lenin, uh, with, the, uh, with the process in Mexico during the 20s and 30s and beyond. Mm. Uh, and the point he made, and the point I'm going to make as an extraction from this book, is that in each of those circumstances, with Mussolini, with Hitler, with Lenin, uh, with the problems in Mexico, the New York Times was misreporting everything that went on in all of those environments. Right. So we tend to think that this is a recent uh, degrading of the New York Times. Uh, if you read uh, Seldes's book, you'll find that it's been the New York Times uh, at least through the 20th century, Bob. No, absolutely. If I recall, that there was misreporting on what was happening in Nazi Germany. Uh, for many many years, and uh, as a consequence, uh, that kind of the uh, Nazis kind of operated under the radar, with according uh, to uh, what the Americans were being fed. Well, there's no doubt that that's true. When uh, George Seldes, again, the, the I think the difference uh, with George Seldes is he was there. Mm-hmm. He was a friend of Mussolini. He had contact with Hitler. So that I'm just I don't want to make this too extended. Uh, but this was a man that had uh, first-hand information, primary information, and, and he saw it unfolding. George Seldes was a reporter at that point for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, so he had he had direct contact with the media. And with the major players in the in the political world of, of Europe and in and Mexico also, Bob. So, so just just an interesting read if anybody's interesting in uh, finding that primary firsthand account of what happened in the late teens and the twenties and thirties. There's nothing better than George Seldes' book, Witness to a Century. Uh, I would like to just uh, also mention in passing. This is good news, and it's not going to seem that way. But the uh, women's American soccer team was recently defeated by a male team 12 to nothing. Now, why is that good news? I think it's good news because it puts a, an exclamation point on what so many people have been saying reasonably, which is that it is unfair to have women competing head-to-head with men or uh, 
men that are now defining themselves as women. So I think a score like that, a 12 nothing defeat, a humiliating score like that, in fact, uh, indicates that this is something that, that cannot happen in, in any area where women and girls are, are trying to compete. They focus their lives on this, and yet they are deprived of winning or uh, even having a good show in these things uh, because they're competing, in many cases, against men, Bob. Well, of course, uh, you're absolutely right if the competing and winning the game is is the key. But what about the political aspect of it and <laughs> trying to make a political point, of uh, which we see the left doing all the time? They don't care about the score or the fairness of the whole operation. Well, at some point they have to. There are more and more women uh, pushing back <clears throat> against this. Uh, there are there are more and more stories developing. There was a story just yesterday where a, a student was failed in a college course for using the term uh, biologic woman, biological woman, uh -huh. uh, and failed. The, the, the faculty member acknowledged her paper was good, but because she used that phrase, uh, she was failed. He also rejected uh, that she com commented on defining a woman uh, as being a uh, of of XX chromosome and a male is XY. Uh -huh. uh, the professor said this was a social construct. So we're seeing these kind of ridiculous positions being taken, right. even by academics, and perhaps I shouldn't say even by, because it's probably more likely from academics, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, these, in these discussions. So uh, it, it, one, one more interesting, I read this yesterday, Bob, which is someone went on ChatGPT, the uh, artificial intelligence source, and he wasn't trying to make a point. But he asked it the question, is Michelle Obama a male? And he says very clearly, I do not think Michelle Obama is a male. But he wanted to see how ChatGPT handled it. ChatGPT could not uh, explain that why Michelle Obama was not a male. So it reflects that ChatGPT and artificial intelligence is not doing any real independent thinking, just reflecting the common viewpoints of the left as it gives answers to questions that are being asked, Bob. That is so interesting. Thank you for that, Andy. Hey, I want to get your thoughts on F the FBI and everything that's going on. But before, do you have any comments on reparations? Well, just, just a, an important comment. Now, Historically, anyone who would cite the fact that uh, African Americans are better off here in this country and, uh, than they were in Africa as a, uh, a way of excusing slavery, those comments are dismissed out of hand, as they should be. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can't uh, give any dignity to slavery because of it. But when you're talking about the issue of reparations, then these issues become of significance. In other words, reparations means damage has been done and the person must be made whole. If we look at the ten countries from which uh, all of the, the, the slaves were first captured by their African chieftains, then uh, sold typically to uh, Arab or, uh, or Atlantic trade, uh, slave traders, uh, if you look at those countries now as compared to America, for American blacks, American blacks have a, uh, let's see now, a 14-year longer lifespan, and they make an income that is 13 times higher than the average in those 10, nation, uh, 10 nations where the slaves were originally yeah. uh, removed from. Uh, so again, this is not a defense of slavery, obviously. Nothing could do that. But if we're talking about how much damage was done, and therefore reparations owed, uh, we have a much longer lifespan, and we have a much higher uh, earning potential uh, in, the, uh, in, uh, in America than any place else in the world. If you look at the slaves that went into, uh, went into uh, the Brazil, which is where most of the slaves went, uh, no, that was not true in Brazil. If we look at the slaves that went into the Arab world, uh, there's very few blacks in the Arab world now because most of them died in slavery. But in America, they lived. And it have flourished over over the, over time. And to say there's reparations owed uh, seems to be a stretch of of any kind uh, of view that's that's realistic. Well, it's such an interesting observation. Thank you for that, Andy. I would also suggest, uh, what about the six hundred thirty thousand people, men and women, who died during the Civil War? That to me seems like us. That spilled blood is uh, reparations. 
Well, I mean, there's there's no doubt, and those those death numbers have been raised consistently. Uh, uh, it's it true, as as they said, a pale of death over America. It destroyed the economy of the South for a hundred years. It's just, in some cases, just just recovering from it. Uh, if we look at the money that's been uh, laid out for entitlement programs uh, since 1960, it's in the tens of trillions of dollars. Wow. And so, yeah, we've made a serious effort to uh, to uh, undo any damage that was done. We did it first with the Civil War, uh, then with uh, a, a series of entitlement programs, uh, affirmative action may, in fact, that came in, in the early 70s, 1970s, can also be seen as a, a variant of reparation. So to suggest now, uh, with the difficulty, Bob, of, of trying to compute who should receive reparations, yet I'm, I'm firmly convinced that in some form, in some manner, reparations is going to go forward. Uh. Well, Annie, on that note, we need to take another break. Can you stick around? I will be here. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want just to remind you that Lou B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center serves terrific lunch and breakfast uh, six days a week. I want to remind you that Start Wednesday through Saturday now, 4 to 8 p.m. Lulabee's is serving a fantastic dinner menu. They have some great comfort food along with some great specialty items and seafood. I hope you'll, you don't need a reservation. It's casual and it's inexpensive uh, and great food. Uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. I wanted to get your thoughts now. The FBI is saying, well, you know what? We'll show you the document. We're not going to give you this document. It's just more proof that they're so weaponized uh, here in the United States against uh, its citizens. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Comer has already said that he does not trust that the FBI is seriously investigating this even now. Uh, I was thinking of a question the other day, Bob, which is if there are legal criminal charges brought against the FBI, which is possible considering the positions that, that have been taken by Christopher Ray, not only contempt of Congress, but, but criminal charges could possibly exist, uh, that who would enforce that? I mean, what is the, what is the enforcement arm that would, uh, would go after the FBI? I mean, it couldn't be the FBI, obviously, itself. And so the question is really open, and, and that surprised me. There is no, there is no existing mechanism uh, that would pr- 
create a law <clears throat> enforcement circumstance directed at the FBI. I'm sure they would resolve it if it came to that. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm not sure that that's, that's true. That's uh, a great, you have a great point. That, the, the, uh, Comer, uh, Comer's has brought out, uh, which said uh, during the Trump impeachment that the FBI, through an informant, was well aware uh, of the of the five million dollar bribery scheme involving Ukraine, that this is not something that is only of of recent awareness. That this was something going back to that point in time. That the FBI deep sixed at that point, obviously as a political move to uh, to damage Donald Trump. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I I don't think anybody could reasonably doubt that. Right. If we look at the way Ray is handling this uh, this um, uh, this uh, uh, document. Uh, essentially, I think it, it's a political handling. I think there's no doubt about it. Uh, if we look at the uh, the process of how how we can affect the FBI, most people uh, don't think about it very much. But the FBI is in the executive branch. Uh, only the president can fire uh, the the head of the FBI. So this is a matter for the for the Congress. Uh, it's an impeachment matter for, for the Congress uh, directed at Ray. And certainly, considering that he is clearly, in my estimation, clearly lied during many parts of the investigation. Uh, I think that this this is a necessary step that has to be taken. I, you know, I'm, at the time that Donald Trump appointed Ray, uh, all of the potentials uh, with Ray did not exist. Yeah. So those that have been condemning Trump for having appointed Ray, it, it was just not foreseeable. The same thing with Bill Barr. Trump has been condemned for for Bill Barr, and Bill Barr was a well respected figure prior to that to that appointment. So I think we're looking at an agency that needs to be brought to heel. I think that Comer is, is doing, uh, is doing a, an outstanding job at this point, but it has to reach a point of fulfillment. And that fulfillment, I think, at least at minimum, must be impeachment charges being brought against uh, Christopher Wray uh, as the director of the FBI, Bob. Well, and not only that, but you would expect it. Not only would uh, you'd expect the Justice Department to recuse itself because they were directing the activities of the uh, FBI. So uh, it just raises the question about whether a military tribunal might be the place to, to seek justice for this. Uh, again, that has to be determined. It might be the answer. We don't have a specific one. Uh, it's been suggested that the United States Marshal uh, Service might be the enforcement arm. Hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, it's, it's, uh, it seems uh, a, a question that should be answered before the fact, not not after the fact. Yeah, uh, so I think we have to understand how, when the highest law uh, agency in this country is criminal, how does that uh, how does that get challenged? And I, you know, perhaps it'll be a judicial uh, court, uh, not a judicial, a military court. Uh, but again, that's that's a question that that should be that should be answered. There are serious issues on the table right now, and certainly we all can acknowledge that if if this was all reversed and this was Trump. Uh, in a situation like this, many, many things would have happened of a serious nature uh, before this point, Bob. No question about it. And it brings to, to mind also the, we talked earlier with Bob Levy, the chairman of the uh, emeritus of the Cato Institute, about public employee unions. And, you know, when the new president comes in, no matter Republican or Democrat, should have uh, the team on board that he believes in will help him enforce the laws. And right now, that's not, nothing can be further from the truth. We have a bunch of political appointments and also uh, regular appointments that, uh, frankly, slow walk, evade. Uh, we saw what happened uh, during Trump's administration. We sh he should be able to get rid of everybody if he wanted to and, and uh, start with a new well, uh, yeah, that's right. And let me just make it in a, the comment in a broader sense. They they keep referring to the FBI as an independent agency, the CIA. Yeah. In, no, they're not independent. They work for the president, and that's very simple. And they they serve at his discretion. Yeah. And so, a president uh, coming in, uh, if he felt it was necessary and appropriate for America uh, to get rid of all of them, he certainly has uh, the the legal right and and the ethical requirement to do just that, Bob. No question about it. Andy, uh, before I let you go, any parting thoughts on uh, DeSantis or the election right now? Well, I just if we have a parting thought, I, I just was disgusted by the way uh, uh, Casey DeSantis was attacked as being the Walmart uh, Melania uh, by, by, the, by the leftist press. I mean, this is a, uh, an outrage. 
Um, and, and it's going to be a growing outrage as time goes on. Uh, so, you know, I, I love DeSantis. I am a Trump supporter still. Uh, but this is a good man, and his wife is a good woman. Right. Uh, for them to go through or for her to go through that kind of assault is, uh, is, is humiliating to me as an American, Bob. Absolutely. Again, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of a terrific read. It's called Josephus of Oz. Off topic for today's discussion, but hope you take a look at Josephus of Oz by Andrew Joppa. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. See you soon, Bob. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I learned a lot. I hope you join us tomorrow. Keith Law is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. He'll be joining us. Uh, Michael Cannon from the Cato Institute, the Health Policy Director, will be with us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples will be commenting on what's happening here locally and around the country. Uh, Bill Barnett will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show... Well, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we reward our advertisers for the support we need in order to put the show on. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.